Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, we are talking with wellness and celebrity culture reporter, Hannah Yasharos. Hannah has been with USA Today for five years, where she's reported on topics in entertainment and wellness, including covering the White House Correspondents' Dinner, visiting the set of Sesame Street, and frequently writing about the bigger picture of why entertainment and entertainers matter and what they can teach us more broadly about our culture and ourselves. Welcome, Hannah. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm excited. I must start with what you said about how entertainment and entertainers matter and that they can teach us about our culture and ourselves. I love that insight. You know, please tell us more. Sure. Yeah. So I spent the bulk of my career in journalism looking at entertainment, uh, as you mentioned, sort of the bigger picture of what it can teach us about our culture. Um, And then for the past few months, I've been writing about the intersection of entertainment and wellness, uh, which has been really exciting and interesting just because there's so many so many different things to talk about from celebrities speaking out about mental health or physical health issues to wellness influencers spreading misinformation on TikTok to what certain issues going viral sort of says about the psychology of everyone involved. So how does entertainment or or what does entertainment teach us about our culture and ourselves? Yeah, I think it can, it can say a lot of different things, which is another fun thing about this job is that you know, stories can teach us a lot. I think there are times when, you know, the things that we pay attention to can sort of tell us what we're missing or, you know, give a lens into what we're talking about. I wrote a story about the Netflix show Beef, um, which uh, was sort of about a road rage incident gone terribly wrong. And it's, I think that the fascination, uh, the fascination that so many people had with it was sort of like, the anger in that show was real. And Mm -hmm. so how can we, how can we look at the fact that we were all obsessed with this show about anger and rage in the lens of 2023, where a lot of people are experiencing anger and rage and sort of how we can, how, how we can be better to ourselves. Yeah. So we can all relate in some way to these national entertainment type or celebrities. And even if it's not the exact same, lifestyle or what it may be, there's, there's relatable, um, things there. Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned you didn't start and how is this beat different than what you started in at USA Today? Sure. Yeah. So I started, uh, at USA Today as an intern the summer before my senior year, um, covering mostly entertainment there. Um, and then was really fortunate that they were hiring for an entertainment and travel breaking news reporter right before I graduated. Um, so I spent a lot of time sort of in those two areas and then moved uh, to focus solely on entertainment and celebrity culture for a while um, before it, you know, moving into this new hybrid role, adding wellness. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So did you know that you wanted to do entertainment when you were in school for journalism? I knew that I wanted to be a 
uh, on the writing side of news for sure. But I actually thought I wanted to be a sports writer. Um, you can't tell from my voice, but I'm 6'2 and I grew up playing basketball and really wanted to go down that route for a while. Um, but somewhere along the way, I sort of realized that the way that my friends in sports journalism were talking about sports was the way that I talked about entertainment. Um, okay. So gears there. Yeah, that's great. So what inspired you to pursue a career in journalism? Part of it was my parents for most of their careers worked in sports media. Oh, really? Um, but yeah, most of the time when I was growing up, I totally did not want to follow in their footsteps. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I joined my high school newspaper uh, junior year and totally fell in love with the storytelling and the rush of deadlines and working with other creative, passionate people um, and never looked back. That's great. What did they do specifically? Um, my mom's in uh, sports PR um, and my dad is on the uh, TV producing side. Okay. Wow. That's great. So you did grow up all around it. You knew the negatives for getting into it and the, <laughs> and the positives. Exactly. Right? I knew the hours were weird and long, but um, but they both love what they do as well. Um, that's great. Yeah. It's wonderful to have a career that you're so passionate about. You know, a lot of people can't say that. So yeah. no, I feel really lucky. Yes. And I have to mention that you are a fellow University of Maryland College of Journalism alumni, yes. um, which we didn't know each other there, obviously, but but I've met and I always love to highlight um, fellow Terps. Yes, so, <laughs> yes, yes. So what have you learned about covering you know, celebrity culture during the time that you've covered it? And is it what you thought it would be? Oh, I don't think so. I um. <laughs> When I decided that I wanted to be an entertainment writer, I think I was thinking more along the lines of wanting to be like a film or a TV critic. Okay. Um, but most of the time when you start out uh, in this area, you start with covering sort of the breaking and trending entertainment news, which a lot of the time is celebrity focused. Um, so going into that, I sort of saw that as a way to learn more about the industry rather than an end all be all. Um, but I sort of I fell in love with it because of the bigger conversations we had. Like I said, like, I think what we pay attention to matters. Yeah. Um, and that's not always super highbrow stuff, but I think we can have really interesting intellectual conversations about things that aren't necessarily highbrow. So I wouldn't advocate for only reading the entertainment celebrity section, <laughs> right. outlet, but I think it's an important part of life and something worth paying attention to and talking about. Yeah, that's a really good, great way to look at it. You know, it's pretty significant for your first job out of college to be at such a large national outlet. So congratulations, by the way. Um, what did you learn that you didn't expect when you began your career? This is sort of a small thing, but I never expected to love the interview process. When I first started writing for my high school newspaper, calling someone on the phone was like absolutely the end of the world. Um, I was really shy and afraid of talking to people, and that was just terrifying. Right. Um, and so I think that's one reason why the idea of being a critic, you know, was appealing, where you're not doing interviews all the time. Um, but I have come to love them. I think it's one of the coolest parts of my job that I can just call up people who are like, like the smartest people in their fields and just get to pick their brain for a while. That's yeah. just so fun. You know, I didn't think about that. It's even harder for this generation like you to do that when you did it grow up that way as well. <laughs> you know, right. grew up with the texting and the, and the electronics even more so than picking up a phone. So that exactly. had to be even tougher. Yes. Are there any particular journalists or media professionals besides your parents who have mm -hmm. inspired or influenced your career? Yes. 
Emily Yar, who's an entertainment writer for the Washington Post, she was one of the first writers who was writing about specific things in entertainment that I was interested in, in a way that sort of made me realize like, oh, I could do that too. Or, you know, I have ideas Uh worth writing about. Um, I think her writing is just so smart and fun to read. Katie Weaver is a writer for the New York Times and every single thing she writes is my favorite thing I've ever read. I would <laughs> like a 5,000 word essay about paint uh-huh. from her. Um, I think she's just such a good reminder that every time you write, it's an opportunity to be creative and thoughtful. So she's great. And then Christine Brennan, who is a sports columnist at USA Today um, and a family friend as well. Um, She has, I mean, she's such a trailblazer for women in sports and was such a beacon to me when I was starting out uh, thinking I wanted to do sports and feeling very surrounded by men covering sports. Um, And still such a role model for me today. I think she's just so fearless with the way she pursues stories and holds people accountable and uh, also lifts up the people around her. Yes. Those are great ones. I would love if you'd share some memorable experiences or stories you've worked on while at USA Today. Sure. So one uh, recently that was super memorable. um, I I visited the set of Sesame Street uh, earlier this year for a story Uh Um, It was for Black History Month talking about how Sesame Street was created really intentionally for young Black viewers to have positive representation on TV at a time where there was hardly any. Um, So that was one of my favorite things I've I've ever gotten to do, like from a storytelling perspective, it was so much fun to put it all together and speak to people who are really passionate about carrying on that mission, Um, but then getting to supplement that reporting and storytelling with anecdotes from the actual set, which is in New York and a lot smaller than you might think and full of Muppets. Um, (laughs) That was one that I will never forget. Yeah. Did you watch Sesame Street as a child? That was probably way before your (laughs) reruns. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I loved Elmo. I got a little starstruck seeing Elmo, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You know, any examples? I I know that a lot of them are more positive upbeat, you know, type stories, but any examples of difficult stories and how you navigated them? I'm not thinking of any specific examples, but I think, you know, I really want to do every story I write justice. And as a perfectionist who has, you know, Mm -hmm. tight deadlines that can sometimes feel really difficult. Um, But I think, you know, in terms of navigating it, you know, as long as you're talking to really smart people who are experts in what you're writing about and checking your facts. um, I feel really blessed to have a really smart, talented editor. I think all of those things are, you know, recipes for success when it comes to navigating a story that might be a little bit more difficult. Yes. I think perfectionists thrive as journalists as well. (laughs) So how do you manage the demands and pressures of being a journalist and the deadlines and I think finding a balance has been the biggest thing for me. I I absolutely love what I do, but that does not mean that I should spend every waking moment thinking about work. Right. Um, so I think it's, <laughs> you know, working really hard during the day, but then going for a long walk or going to spin class or grabbing dinner with friends or facing, FaceTiming my sister after sort of remembering that I am a person outside of this job that I love. Yeah, that's great. That's good advice too. 
I have to say your TikTok videos show you living quite the life in Washington, D.C. And since I've lived there before, I'm completely jealous watching them. <laughs> but, you know, as you know, social media and instant news fuel journalism today. So how do you navigate all of it, you know, and engage and connect with your readers and do your job of writing and interviewing and all of that? Yeah, it's it's an interesting medium where it, it's not directly connected, but it does sort of feel increasingly necessary. Yeah. Um, and I think the ultimate goal is wanting to, you know, be there to get good information into the hands of the people who want it. Um, in my role, I think I can, you know, have a little bit more fun with that sometimes, like, you know, when I can make a meme or reference uh-huh. a TikTok trend or actually like get in on a TikTok trend to go along with the story. I think that can go a long way with, you know, engaging with, you know, the people you're trying to deliver the information to. Yeah. You know, as you've mentioned, and I've seen you cover everything from Sesame Street to NFL players to angry brides, TikTok challenges. How do you choose your stories? Oh, yeah. That's one of the most exciting things to me. Like I go into every week, not totally knowing what I'm going to be covering. And it could span, as you said, like a very wide range of topics. So it's a combination of me pitching ideas and my editor assigning ideas. Um, And sometimes those stories are spun off of the news of the day. Other times they're cultural trends that I've noticed in my own life or, or on social media. Yeah. Um, And sometimes they're more evergreen things that, you know, I'm wondering about or or have heard other people asking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. So looking ahead, what trends or, you know, developments do you anticipate in entertainment and wellness industries that may impact what you do for a living? I've been really interested in reporting on the influencer industry, which I think has been covered a lot from sort of business and tech angles. Um, But I'm really interested in the celebrity aspect, like whether you like it or not, these people are celebrities. Yeah. Um, And that evolution of fame is super interesting to me and definitely something that I've adapted to include in coverage. And I think we'll only be seeing more of that. It'll like continue to look different. Like if we were talking about this a few years ago, it would have been YouTubers or Instagram influencers, and now it's TikTokers. Right. Um, but the idea of someone being famous on the internet is not novelty anymore, or something that you know the mainstream culture is is or should be avoiding. Yes, I saw an article yesterday about de influencers and mm-hmm. the trend of that of of having you know, being the ones who are talking out against brands or, you know, things like that and calling them de-influencers, which I thought was kind of, kind of cool. Yeah. I think Um, we're in this interesting era of influencers are prominent and not going away, but people are sort of demanding more from the people they follow, Yeah, um, which is bringing about things like de-influencing, which I think is really fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is definitely. So I'm also assuming that visuals are important in your work. You know, we'd love to hear more on that. Yeah, I think as a writer, they're not always the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> right. Definitely an important aspect to every story I'm doing. So if it's, you know, if I'm writing about a news event or a celebrity or a TV show that has timely images that we can add to a story, you know, that's one thing or more of an evergreen wellness feature where I might need to find like a generic stock image that we have the rights to. Um, 
sometimes if I'm working on like a more in-depth story, we can get our design team involved and we can sort of work together to paint a picture of what cool designs might give that story a visual boost. Um, We have an amazing social media team that creates really cool graphics. Um, So I do feel really lucky to work with really creative people who can sort of uh, add, add that to my stories as well. Yes. It's great to have a team like that for sure. And your audience is really national, right? How do you, when you're writing a story, who do you kind of write to? (laughs) I think everyone to a certain extent, like, like you said, the audience really is national. And so it's, it's not quite as simple as, you know, targeting folks in the DC area who are looking for cool rooftop bars, um, which is another thing I'm passionate about, but (laughs) (laughs) I love rooftop um, bars. But um, yeah, you know, I think I'm most interested in sharing ideas with, you know, people who are interested in reading them. And so that can look like a lot of different people, but definitely, you know, thinking about a diverse uh, group of readers when, when yeah. we're Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the most rewarding aspect of being a journalist? I think it's just getting to tell stories for a living. Like that's so amazing to me every single day. I've always been a huge reader and movie watcher and someone who really values storytelling and news. Um, And so getting to do that every day just makes me feel super, super lucky. Yes. Yes. Can you tell us what you're working on currently? Sure. I'm, uh, there's one story I'm working on today that I I will probably be published by the time this airs. Um, (laughs) It's about people on TikTok spreading misinformation about sexual health practices. Mm. Um, So I'm an avid TikTok user. There are a lot of great life hacks on there, but unfortunately also a lot of health misinformation. Um, And so this is sort of trying to clear up you know, clear that up and offer alternative suggestions for some of the most talked about issues on there. Later this week, I'm working on a story about celebrities attending the White House state dinner. So again, like a really wide range of topics, which is really fun. Yes, we'll have to link to those once we once we publish this. Um, I know that's something I always talk to my children about is not believing everything on social media, finding the sources and you exactly. know, where it's coming from, for sure. Um, how can PR professionals help you do your job? And do you have any pet peeves when it comes to them? Um, so I think this is something that like totally differs depending on, you know, the beat and the reporter and the outlet. Um, right. But for... Me, particularly when I'm writing wellness stories, I think I've gotten the most help from PR professionals who reach out at some point and say, hey, I've got this expert who can speak to XYZ issues. And then it might be six months or a year before I'm working on a story where I actually need an expert in that field to comment. Uh If it's in my inbox, I will come back, you know, if and when it's relevant. I totally get that most of the time when someone in PR is following up like five times, it's their client asking for that and and not them. So I won't, you know, get mad at that. But I think it's helpful to know maybe that, you know, I see the pitches I get and and when they are relevant to stories to what I'm covering, I will come back, I promise. Yes, because you just can't respond to everything. (laughs) I'm sure you get a ton. So what advice would you give? Because you're not, I mean, you're about five years out of college, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to aspiring journalists who are just starting their careers? I would say write as much as you can, but then shut your laptop and live your life. <laughs> um, I, you know, when I was in college writing, you know, a bunch of stories for campus publications and internships was 
a huge part of my development, but um, I had no sense of boundaries when it came to writing and recording when I was just starting out. Um, because at that point, it was something that I did for fun on the side. And so when it becomes actual work, you know, you can still work hard, but also respect your own time and know that your job is not actually who you are. Good advice. Before we go, I would love to know more about your hobbies or interests outside of journalism, as you're mentioning. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I've, I have mentioned a few of these, but I love to read and try new restaurants um, love a spin class or a yoga class or going on a long walk. Um, and many of those things I would not have been able to tell you a few, a few years ago because <laughs> I really do not have that many interests outside journalism. So again, advice, get hobbies that have nothing to do with work. <laughs> love that. Love that. How can our listeners connect with you online? Oh, sure. So I'm at Hannah Yasharoff on most social media platforms. Um, and then i if you look up Hannah Yashroff USA Today, that's where you can find uh, most of my stories. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. That's all for this episode of Media and Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.